We'll now turn to God's holy word, and we'll turn to the gospel according to John chapter 11. John chapter 11 will be our reading, and our text will be taken from this chapter. We'll read verses 25 and 26. So let us read God's word, beginning at verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that, Martha, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to, his, to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to, Jesus, said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. 
And then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. And then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave cloths, and his face was wrapped with a, with a cloth. Jesus said to them, lose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and, and take away both our place and the nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and not that the, that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death, and therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. And we'll stop there with our scripture reading. Our text this morning, through which we will, which will actually be the lens through which we will look at this chapter, is verse 25 and 26 where we read that Jesus said to her, that is Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, we go back to chapter 7 of the Gospel John tells us at that time that the Lord Jesus traveled from Galilee in the north and went down to Judea and Jerusalem in the south. 
when the Lord Jesus was in Galilee, his life was safe. But when he travels down to Jerusalem, his life very quickly is in danger. When he went down to Jerusalem, John tells us that he began to teach in the temple during the the Feast of Tabernacles. And then almost immediately, disputes broke out between the Lord Jesus and the leaders of Israel. And the disputes arose because the leaders rejected his teaching. And the reason they rejected his teaching is because it was clear to them that Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah. The Messiah is the one is the Savior that the people of Israel were waiting for. It was the one that God had promised. But the Lord Jesus does not only claim to be the Messiah, He doesn't just speak those words, but His words are also accompanied with signs to prove that He really is sent by the Father in heaven as the Messiah. Some of the signs are that he, for example, in a few chapters earlier, he heals a man who was born blind. And even the Jewish leaders cannot deny the fact that the man who was born blind, he now sees. But in their unbelief, they accuse the Lord Jesus of doing this miracle through the power of demons. But there are also others in Israel. They understand that this can only be done through the power of God, the Father in heaven. And as you look at what the Lord Jesus has been doing earlier in this gospel, you read how he he also spoke to the people that he is the good shepherd and that his sheep know his voice and that he knows them. And he says to his people, he says, I have come to gather my sheep out of this world, those whom the Father has given to me. And so clearly Lord Jesus is making very, says to the people, he says, I have come to do the work of my Father. But then he also makes this incredible claim, and he says, the Father and I are one. And you know that immediately the leaders of Israel, they understand the claim he's making. He's making the God claim. He says, I am one with the Father. I'm God. And so as you read through the gospel, you'll notice that there is this, the conflict is escalating between Jesus and the leaders of Israel. Then we come to chapter 11. Chapter 11, Jesus performs one final miracle before his death. He raises Lazarus from the dead. But this too, this too was just too much for the leaders Jesus is now becoming too dangerous. They notice that the people are beginning to believe in him. And therefore, this man must be stopped. Jesus proclaims himself in our text to be the resurrection and the life. And then what does he do? He goes and he raises Lazarus from the dead. And so he reveals his power to raise us from the dead and to be able to give to us eternal life. And the result is... We read that all of Jerusalem is talking about this miracle of the Lord Jesus. But while the people are everywhere gossiping and they're talking about this miracle, the leaders, the leaders, they're angry. Angry because they see the Lord Jesus to be a threat to their own authority. Here is a man, they say, who must be put to death. This one man must perish for the people so that the whole nation 
will not perish. Oh, the high priest didn't understand. The high priest Caiaphas didn't understand how right he was. Indeed, Jesus must die in order that he might save the people and that he might give to us life everlasting. And so, beloved, this morning we'll listen to God's word under this theme. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Under that theme, we'll look at three or four things. First, we'll look at the sickness not unto death. Secondly, the hope of life is Christ. Thirdly, we look at the proof of the resurrection. And fourthly, we look at faith versus unbelief. We're told earlier that after the Jews tried to stone the Lord Jesus when he was in the temple, the Lord Jesus withdraws from Jerusalem and he goes to the other side of the Jordan River. He goes there because he knows there he will be safe from the dangers in Jerusalem. We also read that the people in that region on the other side of the the Jordan River, they come to hear the Lord Jesus, and many believe the message he is teaching them. And now John says, he says, while the Lord Jesus is, is, is teaching and preaching there on the other side of the Jordan, he receives a message that Lazarus, who lives in Bethany, was sick. Now, this is the only place where you read about Lazarus. And here John introduces Lazarus as the brother of, um, of Martha and, and Mary. Mary is the one, John says, who uh, poured perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And so they send these two women, Mary and Martha, they, they send a message to, to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Clearly, there was a special bond, a bond of love between Jesus and Lazarus and his sisters. And at this news, Jesus says to his disciples, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, this sickness is not unto death. Rather strange, isn't it? Strange when we all know the story that Lazarus is going to die. Perhaps some of you are familiar with a work by Kierkegaard. He's a well-known philosopher who wrote a work in 1849 with the title, The Sickness Unto Death. The Sickness Unto Death, which is a play on these words of the Lord Jesus. Kierkegaard understands the sickness unto death to be the sin, sin that, he says, leads to this spare. Now, from scriptures, we know that the underlying cause of sickness and death is the very sin of mankind. It is our rebellion against the Lord God that resulted in sickness and that leads to death throughout the whole world. It is our rebellion that cuts us off from the relationship that we have with God. And when we're cut off from that relationship with God, it always leads to death. Therefore, what Jesus says here is profound. He says something, beloved, that goes against the very reality of that which we experience in our life. Right? This week, again, we're we're confronted with that reality that there is death. And then Jesus says, this is not a death. This is not a sickness unto death. And so what he's saying is, 
this sickness, which humanly speaking leads to death, he will, will not be unto death. Jesus is basically saying here, I'm going to do something new in this world. Sickness and sin will no longer lead to death. And so when you think of what he says here, you have to say, wow, what, what a message. But also a strange one to the human ear. In fact, Jesus says, he says, this sickness is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So this sickness of Lazarus, instead of leading to death, will lead, he says, to the glory of God and to the glory of his Son, who is Jesus. That glory will become clear when the end result in the life of Lazarus is not death, but it is life. Now what's surprising about the story is that Jesus does not immediately go to Bethany when he hears the message, but no, he, he waits for two more days. And then he goes and he says to his disciples, he says, let us now go back to Judea. And the disciples, they, they protest, and they remind the Lord that just a short time ago, remember the Jews, they were trying to stone you in the temple, and yet now you are going to go back again? For the disciples, the Lord, the Lord Jesus uh, then says uh, that I'm going to our friend Lazarus, for he has fallen asleep, and I will wake him up. And for the disciples, again, that's another strange thing. Lord, if he sleeps, surely that's good for him. He's going to get better. And then he told them very plainly, no, Lazarus, Lazarus is dead. The question we have is, why does the Lord Jesus speak about his death as sleep? We know that often sleep is used as, as a euphemism for death. When somebody dies, then we might say that they have fallen asleep or they have passed away. Jesus may be softening his language to protect his disciples from the reality of Lazarus' death. Well, the answer very clearly is no, for with the Lord Jesus, death is never the end. You know, when we human beings, when we think about death, we think about death generally as something that is final, right? Life comes to an end and there is nothing more after death. That's really human understanding. But the Lord Jesus speaks in this way to show us that death never is the end. Sleep means that there is still life. It means that we will again be able to wake up. Right? When we go to sleep, we don't expect that's the end. We expect that in the morning we're all going to wake up again. And the disciples also needed to learn that when one dies, one will also get up again. Jesus says in verse 15, For your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. So Jesus is about to go and raise up Lazarus from sleep. It will bring glory, he says, to God, and it will bring glory to the Lord Jesus, the very Son of God. And by displaying God's glory, what is Jesus doing? Jesus says that he's going to work faith in the hearts of his disciples. His disciples and his believers and his followers must believe that Jesus is indeed the one who is able to conquer sin and to overcome death in their life. And that means, beloved, that this was written not only for the disciples, it's written for you and for me today. 
that you and I, that we may indeed believe who Jesus really is. Because you know from our earthly experiences, we believe that serious sickness always leads to death. What Jesus calls you now to believe, Jesus calls you now to believe that through him our sickness will not end in death. Beloved, that is what Christ calls you to believe. And that is, you can say, the most amazing message. To know that when one dies, it's not the end. When one dies, he will get up. Just like when one sleeps, we will get up. Well, how can we be sure of that? On what basis can we believe that the death we experience today is not the true reality? You know, humanly, we, we think death is the end, but Jesus says that death will not, that our life will not end in death. How is that possible? Isn't that amazing? Beyond, you can say, in a way, human comprehension. And the reason that we can be indeed, we can believe it and we can be sure about that is because of the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we go on with the story, you see that Jesus arrives in Bethany. We're told Bethany is less than two miles from Jerusalem. And when he gets there, he finds that Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. Interesting that among the Jews there is a story, there is a myth actually, uh, that when a body dies, then the, the soul of that body would return to the body for three days to see if, if the body would return to life. And when he came back to the fourth day and the body still did not come to life, uh, then the body really was dead. Now, whatever the Jews may have thought about that particular myth, nevertheless, what is clear is that if Lazarus is dead for four days already and his body's already been in the tomb for four days, it means that Lazarus is really dead. And we're told that there are many Jews who had come to, to visit Martha and, and Mary in order that they might comfort them with the loss of their dear brother. They're still mourning four days later. You need to understand in that culture that was very, very normal. This also means that there are many witnesses present who will see what the Lord Jesus will do when he raises Lazarus, and who will then spread the news through the whole city of Jerusalem. Well, we're told that Martha had heard that Jesus was coming, and so she rushed out to go and to meet him. And when she sees him, she says to Jesus, says, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Some argue that Martha here is reprimanding the Lord Jesus for not coming sooner. Because if he'd come sooner, then Lazarus would have been, he could have made Lazarus well again. But it's unlikely that's what she's doing. It's more likely that she's simply stating her faith in the Lord Jesus, that she believed that he could have made him better. She, she firmly believes, indeed, that Jesus has the power also to heal the sick. But then she says, but even now, I know that you will give whatever, whatever you ask. Or she says, even now, I know God will give you whatever you ask. So she says to Jesus, I know that God will give you the power to do whatever you ask him to do. And then Jesus says to her, he says, your brother will rise again. And then Martha replies this way, and again, unexpectedly, she says, I know he will rise 
But then she says, I know he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. So she does not expect that the Lord Jesus is going to raise Lazarus here this time, but she does express her faith and her confidence in God's promise that at the last day, Lazarus will rise together with all of God's people. And then, this is where the Lord Jesus speaks, you can say, the most profound words. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. You see, Martha expresses her faith. Lazarus will rise up from the dead in the great resurrection. But the question we need to ask, well, what, on what basis is her conviction? How can she be so sure of that? Yes, God has promised that in his word already long ago, but, but how will God's promise be fulfilled? The same is true with God's promise to forgive Israel of their sins. How will that promise of forgiveness, how will that promise become a reality in the life of God's people? God made many promises to His people in the Old Testament. How will all those promises, how will they become a reality in our lives? Well, beloved, they be, the promises of God become a reality is through the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus says to His, people, his disciples, He says to us, He says, death has no authority, death has no power over me. You know, Paul speaks about death as the last enemy to be destroyed in 1 Corinthians 15. Death, you can say, is the final hurdle that we all face here in this life. But Jesus basically says with these words, he says, death will have to surrender to me, for I have power over death, and I have power over the grave. The last enemy is conquered by the Lord Jesus it means, beloved, wherever the Lord Jesus goes, wherever the Lord Jesus comes, there He rules over death, He rules over the grave. When Christ now comes to Lazarus, He has the power to raise Lazarus from the death. When Christ comes to you, beloved, and you are indeed, you are united with Him by faith, it means that death no longer has any power over you. What a wonderful comfort. We know Jesus Christ is the one who has all power over death. That's why Jesus adds, the one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Just stop for a moment there, beloved, and think about that. Do you understand the claim the Lord Jesus is making here? It's utterly astounding. It's the very reason why the Jews want to kill him. Because they believe that Jesus has completely lost his mind here. Jesus says to them, he says, if you believe in me, you will live even though you die. Jesus says, physical death is not the end, for death can never separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That means Jesus says, if you believe in me, you will never die. Why not? Because Jesus, beloved, has conquered the last enemy, death. 
And that means that we never, never need to fear death. And although we do not like death, yet we do not stand in dread of it. For today, we already have eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, if, if you have life in the Lord Jesus, that means that death can never destroy your life. Then death simply becomes an entrance into eternal life with the Lord your God. And the Lord Jesus asks you this question. Beloved, do you believe this? Yes, do you believe this? It's a question that Jesus asked Martha. It's a question that he asks from each one of us. Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that in me you will live even though you die? Beloved, that's what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian simply means that I believe my whole life rests in the hands of my Savior, Jesus Christ. It means that I believe in Jesus Christ. Death cannot conquer my life, for I have eternal life in my Lord. Martha, Martha responds to his question. He says, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who, who is to come into the world. She, she expresses her faith in the Lord Jesus as a Savior whom God has promised was going to come and would save His people. She believes indeed that He can deliver her from death and give her life, for He is the very Son of God. But Jesus is not finished with Martha yet. Martha needs to learn more. He's brought her to this confession, but now He will also confirm it with a great miracle. And so, at this particular time, we hear that when Mary heard that Jesus was looking for her, she also quickly went out to see the Lord Jesus. And that those who were still with Mary there in the house uh, to comfort her, that uh, they thought she was going to the tomb, and so uh, they went and they followed her. And when Mary saw the Lord Jesus, she, immediately she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, we don't read about Jesus' reaction, Jesus responding to, to Mary here. John instead draws our attention uh, to the reaction that Jesus has uh, towards Mary and towards those who were following Mary from her home. Jesus, John says, saw her weeping. Jesus saw also the Jews who were following her weeping. And he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Then Jesus asks them where they had laid Lazarus, and they brought him to the tomb. And when he's there in front of the tomb, we read that Jesus wept. And the Jews, they said to one another, they said, see, see how he loved him, how he loved Lazarus. But there are others, others there who said, could he who opened the eyes of the blind man not have kept Lazarus from dying? And at this, John says, Jesus was once more de deeply moved, came to the grave. Now, as you read these, these, these words of John about Jesus' reaction to Mary and the friends who followed her, all English translations give the impression that Jesus was full of grief and sorrow at Lazarus' death, as if Jesus was upset at the death of Lazarus. Of course, he was. But it's interesting that German translations following Luther translate 
that Jesus became angry in spirit and distressed, or even better to translate it as became disgusted. So our translation says along lines of he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled, whereas Luther, if you follow his, says Jesus became angry in spirit. He was angry and he became distressed or disgusted when he saw the reaction of Mary and those who were following her. So is Jesus angry and is Jesus distressed by the fact that Mary and her friends, that they are weeping at the death of Lazarus? Is he upset with them because they are weeping when he is the resurrection and the life? Well, that would seem to be unlikely because they would not yet have understood what was going on here. But it's also the reason why the English translation seems to soften the reaction of the Lord Jesus because otherwise it would seem that the Lord Jesus is being pretty stern and pretty harsh with Mary and the others who were weeping. But I think we need to look at the reaction a little bit differently. Jesus' strong reaction is a result of what he sees death doing in the life of Mary and what he sees death doing in the life of others who are weeping. He feels, indeed, that death is this great enemy that puts, that's put an end, that puts an end to life. Death reveals the total corruption, the sin of all of mankind that results in utter despair in the heart of all people. So what we see is that the Lord Jesus is deeply moved to anger and distress because he sees how deeply sin and death has touched the heart and touched the very life of mankind. Understand Jesus here, he is the sinless one. And as the one who is without sin, he is faced with the reality of sin here in this world. And it pains him. It grieves him to see how it is, dev- how it is destroying and how it is devastating the lives of those whom he loves so deeply. See, Jesus here is facing a great spiritual battle. Here's a showdown, you could say, between Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, over against the reality of sin and death in this world. Right? Sin and death, that, that's the great enemy that needs to be conquered, that needs to be destroyed. And so no wonder that he is filled with anger, that he's greatly distressed and troubled and disgusted In his love for his own, Jesus is moved now to do something about it. Because as the very Son of God, he has the power over death. And so he commands the stone over the tomb to be taken away. Martha objects. She says there's a bad odor, for he's been dead already for four days. Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Notice here that the Lord Jesus makes a close connection between believing and seeing the very glory of God. He says that the people will see the glory of God, and they will see that glory of God when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. But beloved, the reality is that the only people who are able to see the glory of God are those who believe. If you do not believe, and if you do not have faith, you can see 10 people who are raised to, from the dead. You can see 100 people raised from the dead, even thousands of people raised from the dead. And yet without faith, you cannot see the glory of God. And that will become clear also later on in the story. This time, we're told that they removed the stone. 
And then Jesus, he looked up and he prayed to his father. And one of the themes that you'll find through the Gospel of John is that Jesus often speaks about his father. And he says, for example, I've come to bring glory to my father in heaven. I've come to do the work of my father. He says, I've come to gather the sheep that my father has given to me. And so he came to this world that he might do the work of the Father, and therefore he now also prays to the Father, Father, give to me the power that I need that I, might raise, that I may raise Lazarus from the dead. And he may ask, well, did Jesus really have to pray for that? Did Jesus not have the power from the power himself to raise Lazarus from the dead? And the answer is yes. Absolutely, but what Jesus reveals is that he does all his work for the glory of the Father. In fact, he says to the Father, he says, I pray this for the benefit of the people who are standing here. Because you can be sure that it's also, he almost indicates that he's already prayed to the Father about this. And he understood that the, what the Father wanted him to do here in this situation. But it's clear that the people needed to know that Jesus is not just acting on his own. But he does this in the name of the Father so that they may believe that the Father and Jesus are one and that the Father is the one who sent the Lord Jesus to this world. And so when we think about this miracle, beloved, we need to understand that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, not so that Lazarus might be able to enjoy a few more years of life here on this earth. In fact, if, if Lazarus was already dead and he was already with God in heaven, and for the sake of Lazarus, it might have been better that he simply had remained there in glory with the Lord God in heaven. But it was the will of his father that Lazarus should be raised to life so that the people might believe that Jesus really is the resurrection and the life. You see, beloved, as, as God's people, God knows our weaknesses. He also knows our struggle with our faith. And therefore, He knows how we need also the assurance that Jesus really is the resurrection and the life. That He really does have the power to destroy death. That He is able to give to you eternal life. And so Jesus called out, Lazarus, come out. And He came out with all the linen still wrapped around His body and the cloth still on His face. That simply is proof that Lazarus indeed has been dead for four days. Where he was alive, he would have taken the linens off while he was still there in the grave. And so the result of this great sign is that many who came to visit Mary and saw what Jesus did, they believed him. Where many saw the great glory of God as they rejoiced. There was no longer any doubt that the Lord Jesus really is the Messiah. He is the Son of God who is the resurrection and who is the life. But yet, John says, but not all believed. Not all believed. In fact, this miracle would drive the people of Israel to kill the Lord Jesus. Imagine that. How is that possible? Why would anyone want to kill a man who has the power to raise people from the dead and to give them life? And beloved, this is where the contrast between faith and unbelief comes in. Faith looks to Jesus for our life, but unbelief rejects the Lord Jesus as the very giver of life. Some of the people 
who saw what Jesus had done, they quickly, they went to the Pharisees and the leaders of Israel and they told them about it. And the news about Lazarus' resurrection, it's quickly spread throughout the whole city of Jerusalem. And the reaction of the chief priests and the Pharisees is that they call a meeting of the Sanhedrin, right? The ruling body in Israel. And there's, all, there's so much irony in what the leaders say. In verse 47, they say, here is this man, Jesus, performing many signs. Imagine, this is the great crime that the Lord Jesus does, right? He does many signs. So the very first sign John mentions in his gospel is he turned water into wine there at the wedding feast in Cana. The Lord Jesus also made the, the man who was born blind to see again. And now Jesus raises up Lazarus from the dead. And so what they're saying is, we cannot tolerate a man who does all these signs. He is a danger to Israel. And why is he a danger? Well, they say in verse 48, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. Imagine that. If we allow him to keep on doing the great signs that he's doing, then everyone is going to believe in him. We can't have that. Because if that happens, then the Romans will come and they will take away both our temple and our nation. So you notice what they're worried about. They're worried about losing their own position and their own authority and power in Israel. Right? Jesus is a threat to their own well-being. And so they're not worried about what is true. They do not seek to serve the Lord God in heaven. No, they seek to serve their own earthly goals and agendas. Unbelief, beloved, is the result of people closing their eyes to the truth because the truth will undermine their cause and the plans that they have for themselves. Right? Unbelief always is self-centered. It always pursues its own sinful goals and it will reject anything that stands in the way of those goals. And when you believe, beloved, when you believe truly in your heart, it changes everything, everything in your life. You see, faith will not leave anything in your life untouched. When you submit your heart and you submit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, when you look to the Lord Jesus as the resurrection and the life, your own life, your own desires, they don't matter anymore. Only Jesus matters. Because the Lord Jesus becomes the whole focus in your life because He is your only hope. He is the one that you cling to for everything. And then Caiaphas, the high priest, spoke up and he said, You know, it's better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. And then John makes this comment. He says uh, that he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation as well as the scattered children of God over the whole world, bringing them all together and making them one. Yes, one man. One man would have to die for the whole nation. And that man is Jesus Christ. But what they did not realize and did not understand is that by his death, Jesus would pay for the sins of the people and he would obtain for them the resurrection and the life. Beloved, that gives us all the more reason to also rejoice at this gospel message. One man, Jesus, died on the cross for the sins of all his people. 
That means that through Christ's death, I have life even though I die. And by believing in him, I will never, never die. What a glorious gospel message that is, beloved. By faith, you may also see the glory of God in Christ Jesus. And so the Lord Jesus also asks you, beloved, do you believe this? Yes, do you believe this? Amen.